0: Welcome to the Political R&D Podcast. I'm Robbie Krieger-Smith.
1: And I'm Deirdre Mitchell-McLean. We bring political analysis and commentary on events in Alberta and Canadian politics.
0: We discuss policy and look for expert insights into topics relevant to government, policymakers and issues that face voters. Bobby. So we're back for our next segment, which you have titled "Law and Disorder."
1: Yes, we're looking at some of the things that are before the courts uh, affect the Alberta government, the Ontario government, the Saskatchewan government, as well as the BC government.
0: Hmm. And so, credit where credits due. Jason Kenny said he would create jobs. Yeah. <laughs> and the lawyers are doing very well.
1: The lawyers are busy. Yeah, all over it's the busy. country, the lawyers are busy.
0: Yeah, not just creating jobs in Alberta, hey?
1: Yeah, great.
0: <laughs> so where did you want to start here?
1: Um, let's catch up to today. I guess let's start with the carbon tax uh, challenges. Okay.
0: So in May, Alberta, well, not Alberta. It was actually the United Conservative Party because they weren't the government at the time intervened or secured intervener status in Saskatchewan's challenge of the federal carbon tax. Uh And that decision came down, I believe it was on May 5th and the Saskatchewan Supreme court said basically that the carbon tax was constitutional and it was a matter of national importance and that parliament had established that they were legislating and regulating based on an issue of national importance. So they rejected the Saskatchewan government's argument and the United Conservative Party's argument that that carbon tax was unconstitutional. Yes. So that was kind of step one in the legal saga of the federal carbon tax. And Jason Kenney and Doug Ford, who have a little bromance, they finish each other's sentences.
1: Uh, no, he's never going to live that down
0: <laughs> No, especially with all the dumb shit that Doug Ford's doing now Right. But uh, they also received a court decision And so that one was on June 28th And that was at the Ontario Court of Appeals And mm-hmm. it was a 4-1 decision And I know there was some controversy over media reporting About that being a split decision Right but,
1: uh in I terms found, of sorry, I found go ahead. a really good I found a really good uh, tweet, Carolyn Dunn from the CBC mm-hmm. uh, she said, people on Twitter are really upset about the media's correct use of the term split decision. I get that it doesn't show how the decision was weighted, but anything but a unanimous decision is a split decision,
0: yeah, and I don't have access anymore to the Canadian press writing uh style guide. But if I recall correctly, anything that isn't a unanimous decision, according to that style guide, is to be communicated or termed as a split decision. So even though it is a majority decision, it is still a split decision. I Uh, have one. Oh, well, look at you, fancy schmancy.
1: It might take a bit to look up, but uh, so I'll take your word for that.
0: Yeah, (laughs) it's been... Over 20 years since I worked with the newspaper. So So the Ontario court, though, basically made the same argument that because emissions are kind of a transnational issue, it really falls down to environmental regulation. And that is an area that the federal government does have jurisdiction over. And so it argued that the federal government was justified and that the federal carbon tax was constitutional. Uh So strike number two. Yes. And most smart people would (laughs) think after two tries that third time you're out, but not in Alberta. No. We're we're tenacious, (sighs) that's for
1: sure. And yeah, so that was June 20th that Alberta made the announcement that they would be heading to court as well.
0: And so they are going to presumably make the exact same argument that Saskatchewan and Ontario have made. I will say there is one small differentiation is that under Jason Kenney, he didn't get rid of the carbon tax. He just changed who it was levied on. Right, And they have continued for the time being the NDP's large emitter carbon tax, which is called the CCIR. They're eventually going to re re-term it into um, the TIER, which is, I believe it was Technology Investment and Energy Regulations. Yeah. Um, and so that'll just apply to large emitters. It will be at a higher cost, which is essentially just going to hide the cost to consumers, but will have theoretically a similar impact at the end of the day, it'll just be less transparent, which maybe is the secret (laughs) to politically maintaining a carbon tax and affecting climate change. But I'm not smart enough to determine that for sure. So Uh,
1: that's just, it's dumb. Um, (laughs) I'm not a fan of that either, but yeah, so in, so in total, 10 judges have actually weighed in on the act. Three only three of the judges, so we're at 30%, uh, yeah. concluding that the act is unconstitutional. Um, also, the government of Saskatchewan did uh, did file notice to appeal, so they have a tentative hearing date with the Supreme Court of Canada for December the 5th, mm. and Interesting. Uh, Ontario Ontario will intervene, along with Alberta BC... Yeah, Alberta, BC, Manitoba, Prince Edward Island and New Brunswick. So, a lot of a lot of provinces intervening on that one. Obviously, I know where British Columbia's uh sits, but uh not so sure about PEI.
0: Yeah, PEI's government is a conservative minority government.
1: Yeah, but they're very green over there because they're an island and you they know are. Yeah. could be swallowed up if climate change is real.
0: Yeah, and <laughs> uh as I recall, when they were first elected, they actually said that they did support a retail price on carbon.
1: That's right, actually. Yes. Yeah. They were their PC government, unlike in Alberta, where it was a little further to the right, and in Ontario, where it's way further to the right. I would imagine that the PC government in PEI is probably more to the left.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When definitely. They're,
1: but then again, from what I'm seeing, uh, Greens are actually much more conservative than people give them credit for some in of them. their policies. Yeah, yeah. Some of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> There's a spectrum.
0: So that's two carbon tax losses and mm-hmm. it looks like they've queued up a third and a fourth one.
1: <laughs> Getting so ready.
0: The, those should be resolved fairly quickly. Uh, yeah. Continuing the theme of creating employment in the legal profession, it has Come to attention now that a Crown Prosecutor has, in fact, been uh, appointed or a special prosecutor has been appointed mm-hmm. from outside of Alberta for the investigation into the United Conservative Party's leadership race.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of fun. I put together a bit of a timeline on it. And, of course, with the investigation into the UCP leadership race, Jeff Calloway's kamikaze campaign. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's all tied in together. Um and even though it might not seem like it's because what the what the RCMP is investigating is uh voter fraud in in the UCP leadership, but Callaway's yeah, Callaway's thing just kind of keeps on sitting around the the side of it, or I don't know, maybe hanging over it, you know, like uh like a nasty smell. So the timeline that I put together before they actually made the appointment, and there's a couple of pieces in here that I don't know if they belong, but that it seems like there's a connection with Ontario. So April 25th, uh, the the first set of fines levied in Callaway's Kamikaze candidacy since the UCP was elected government. So there was a little bit of a break between... Uh, the end of March, and now granted there was other things going on with Calloway uh, looking for the injunction to get the election commissioner to stop investigating. So that was going on in the meantime. But April 25th, there were more fines. Uh, On May 2nd, NDP made the request for a special prosecutor. On the 3rd, because when she made that request, she also apparently wrote a letter to the ethics commissioner regarding the UCP being involved at all in an investigation, even if it's only at an advisory level, um, but having access to information, et cetera, on you know on an investigation that in, is about them. So uh, then it was May twenty second, more fines. Uh, May twenty seventh, and this was in the legislature. Alberta's Attorney General admitted he had been interviewed on the weekend by the RCMP regarding the UCP leadership investigation. That was just like that was a huge admission, and obviously renewed calls for a special prosecutor. That was May twenty eighth, uh, May thirtieth. The Crown announced that it would speak that it would seek a special prosecutor on the basis of quote new evidence. So that was a couple of days later. Then we really didn't hear much more about it June, th- saying this was this would be a really strange thing to do because she's had a good run. It did happen. MPP Doug Downey replaced Caroline Mulrooney as attorney general. June 25th, Alberta's infrastructure minister was interviewed regarding the UCP leadership investigation. And then July 3rd. So two articles came out. The first one stated that the Ontario Ministry of the Attorney General has been providing advice to police during the investigation stage. So the Alberta Crown apparently reached out to Ontario. Uh, Also July 3rd, the decision was made independently without direction from elected officials, says the Crown. So, yeah, we finally have a special prosecutor. Apparently we may have had one for a while and they won't release who it is, Mm. actually. That was the other thing is that Uh, Ontario is refusing, Alberta is refusing to name the special prosecutor. I don't know if that's a big deal. Do you think it's a big big deal?
0: I'm curious because I actually just wrote down to myself as you were going through the timeline, what is the significance of Ontario's Justice Minister and Solicitor General being shuffled? But that's that's an interesting line that you've drawn there. And I wonder if maybe that's (laughs) the reason that she was shuffled out.
1: Right.
0: Maybe I, maybe somebody in her department agreed to appoint a special prosecutor or support Alberta and that rubbed Premier Kenny the wrong way.
1: Yeah. It's uh it's I I don't like we have nothing on it, but uh Caroline Mulrooney's movement in that cabinet shuffle was uh unexpected. Mm-hmm. And just like I said, going through the commentary around it before it happened and I didn't see honestly I didn't see anything coming up to it, but uh there was there was speculation that you know that no that can't be right. So that's why it's in there. It's also in there because apparently we've been working with them or the RCMP has been working with someone out of Ontario through that ministry. Mm-hmm. Um that again. So, is there something significant about Caroline Mulroney being moved? I don't know. All maybe, I know is that maybe that's a, weird a blog thing.
0: post you need to write asking the question.
1: <sighs> I ask a lot of questions. Yeah, maybe it because uh, I just I just, just threw the, I just threw the timeline together yesterday, and yeah. yep, that one I was like, this this has to be included. I'm not sure why yet, but gut feeling.
0: Yeah. So we know that. Doug Schweitzer, who is the Justice Minister and Solicitor General for the government of Alberta, has been interviewed. We know that Panda Prasad, the infrastructure minister, has been interviewed. Mm
1: -hmm. And we know that
0: Prasad Panda. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We know that Prasad Panda, the infrastructure Uh, minister, has been interviewed. And we also know that Peter Singh, who is the MLA for Calgary East has been interviewed and he's actually a large part of the focus of the leadership race because there are quite a few people who have signed affidavits and claimed that he was taking their credit card information Mm. from his auto business and using them to purchase memberships for the UCP for people that didn't consent and didn't want to be members of the UCP. So that's a part of where the leadership fraud allegations are coming from
1: Mm -hmm. yeah that's right and that like that came out at the time uh that was do you remember it was it was four other um four other contenders for the ucp nomination in uh where is he northeast
0: uh calgary east
1: calgary east uh there were four other uh, sorry four other candidates for nomination who filed a complaint with the party Mm -hmm. and they published it
0: yeah and one of those was former city councillor Andrew Chabot, who mm-hmm. you know is not some well, some would argue he is a fringe candidate, but uh, who's not somebody that's completely naive to politics or inexperience, so
1: right Some so saw that, that as
0: lending an air of credibility to the accusations
1: yeah and and when that first came out, so it was it was really tied around the Um, It was tied around the nomination vote itself. Mm -hmm. Like we, we don't actually know how many investigations the UCP has going, or sorry, the RCMP has a going on against the UCP right now. This, that could be its own because voter fraud is voter fraud. It doesn't matter if it occurs in uh, a nomination race, like at the candidate level or at the, at the leadership race, at the party level, uh, voter fraud's illegal.
0: Yep, absolutely.
1: So these could be two separate investigations.
0: Yeah, no, there's, I mean, a lot of potential legal quagmires that the UCP has got itself in, and it'll be, as always, interesting to see how it plays out.
1: Yes, of course.
0: Alberta politics will not be boring, I can guarantee, for the next few years.
1: Uh, No. And, well, you know, keeps us busy. Um, Absolutely. And then what happened on Friday was the, uh, yeah, Friday, June the 28th, was an interesting, uh, I, I guess, not development, but, you know, BC was requesting an injunction in an Alberta court. So lawyers for the B government apply to an Alberta Court of uh, of Appeal for an injunction against uh, the Turn Off the Taps bill. (laughs) Right? And this was such an interesting thread to go through. It's on... um...
0: Megan Grant from CBC.
1: Okay, I was thinking Megan Grant.
0: CBC Meg.
1: Thank you. Megan Grant was in the courtroom. She's she's on the courtroom, uh, the courtroom beats. The justice, uh, it's Justice Hall. Um, you know he, he she, oh wait a second, um, Justice Hall made a number of comments where they said, uh, you know things like, "I'm not playing politics." Um, you know, Premier the Premier, Jason Kenney uh talked about the turn off the taps bill to be used against BC before he was elected since he was been elected they've been very clear on what you know what the goal of this legislation was so it's it's actually it's it's interesting because the the politics that Jason Kenney has espoused loudly is yet again coming back to bite him in the ass because populist politics aren't good politics these are things that people like right That gets the crowd going and they're super excited because they're gonna punish bc but guess what it's illegal you cannot enact laws to punish another province
0: well i wouldn't argue that populist politics is bad politics necessarily i would say populist politics makes for bad policy and legal decisions (laughs) Yeah, because clearly (laughs) populist politics is winning right now.
1: Oh, it certainly is. Well, unless you take it to court. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so this was this was pretty interesting. Um, In the end, like this, it's it's an excellent tweet thread. I recommend anyone go see it. That was at CBC Meg. Um, It's also finished off by Carolyn Dunn, and she's at Carolyn. C a r o l y n d um, u n n, but she finished off the the day, and yeah, it was it was interesting arguments. Apparently, though, it's not uh, it's not a regular occurrence that a province will go to another province to request an injunction. Mm-hmm. So that was something that was kind of. Uh, I, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's procedure or if it's precedent, but it was kind of causing some issues during during this application.
0: Yeah, because Justice Hall said that basically he was unsure whether or not BC had standing to challenge uh, Alberta Bill in Alberta in Alberta.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of and and I mean maybe that's the maybe that's the big. Uh, the big play so to speak is that they can challenge it all they want in a BC court. But Mm -hmm. what they really need to do is stop it in Alberta. They need to stop it from being enacted ever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it's an interesting question. And I think that if Kenny, first off, Kenny's made a legal tactical mistake in calling it the turn off the taps legislation and articulating that he's going to utilize it to punish BC right because those things may be considered by the judge in whether or not they eventually grant this injunction injunction
1: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's definitely it definitely seems like the judge is already considering them yeah uh yeah because the Alberta lawyer and that was kind of like way to hang someone out to dry, right? Like Jason Kenny, I think, is, is probably the nightmare uh, the nightmare client, the one who won't shut up, the one yeah. who won't take legal advice, and then expects a lawyer to go in and, and argue his case, right? And, you know, they're like, they were making the argument, you know, no, that's not the reason." And the judge was like, you know, are, oh, how did they put it? It sounds like you're trying to play fool the judge. Like, I'm not an idiot. I've, I'm in Alberta, too. I know exactly what he's been saying. And you can't bring me this argument. So that was fantastic, actually. That's why it's such, a, it's such a fantastic read. Because, I don't know. Because sometimes we, I guess we look at judges as being, you know, not aware of what's going on for whatever reason. Or, uh, or maybe they're just not as talkative. Right, you mm-hmm. get the lawyers, but not as much the judge during this. And yeah, he was uh, uh, he was talkative. Is is it a he? I have to. How, how do I find this out? Um, it's a he. Okay.
0: Yeah, Robert. Hall. Um,
1: it's it's really impressive because it just I don't know, and maybe everything else that we've kind of talked about with these yeah uh, you know, with these broken promises and with these. Uh, uh, you know, fake news and disinformation campaigns. And and it's just so great to see somebody going, that's crap. Don't bring crap into my courtroom.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right? no. It's
1: like, yay.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's really good. And uh, Alberta's are, sorry, not Alberta, but BC also filed a statement of claim against Bill 12 in the federal court. So the okay. government is also teed up at some point or another to have to defend that in federal court as well
1: oh that's excellent oh what is that that's one two that's three that's three cases currently that we know of before the courts i they're not the only ones though
0: yeah but those are responsible and creating jobs for lawyers
1: (laughs) yes our poor lawyers um so was there? Oh, I guess I guess it should be said at the end of at the end of the day on Friday, uh, the judge did have to reserve his decision. So a decision was not made. He said he basically, you know, those those couple of questions there. Number one, probably being whether or not BC uh, the BC government has standing to make that application in an Alberta court. Mm-hmm. So will we'll see what comes of it i would imagine uh, you know a week or two as uh, he did also mention at the time that he realizes this is a time sensitive issue uh, the justices in my experience of watching certain ones that that are that are hearing cases that are time sensitive they have been within a couple of weeks mm-hmm. bringing out their decision so yeah so i think we should find out soon enough
0: absolutely that's probably a good place to wrap this segment. So our next segment, we are going to be looking at various bills that the Alberta government has put forth.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: what's the title for this segment?
1: So, yet again, four segments with uh, with a theme. Our last one, and this is probably the easiest one. I'm pretty sure that everybody's on board by now, but the next one or our last one is Saved by the Bill.
0: Saved by the Bill. So four television show themes. Yes. All right. We will be back shortly with Saved by the Bill. Thanks for joining us for this episode. This has been the Political R&D Podcast with Robbie Krieger Smith
1: and Deirdre Mitchell-McLean.
0: Where can people find you, Deirdre?
1: They can find me on Twitter at Mitchell underscore AB.
0: And you can find me online at RKS Alberta. The Political RD podcast is available wherever you get your podcast, and you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Political RD.
1: Goodbye, Robbie.
0: Goodbye, Deirdre. <laughs>